Hey guys, and welcome to the Coffee and Turner Syndrome podcast. Pour yourself your favorite cup of coffee, and let's hop into today's episode. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. We are doing the next episode in the Hormone Replacement Therapy, or HRT series. That We're is talking on who, oh, who what, where, when, why. Yeah, all the finer details of it. Yes. We have to start with the who, I guess, in that scenario. So who is the who that we're talking about? It's well, us. Yes. I mean, I guess there are other reasons people take um, HRT, but I think the biggest population that's going to have the most exposure to it is Turner syndrome. Yes. And I mean, it, it was interesting. I did see others who were taking it that it wasn't good. Before, the only other scenario I had really heard about people taking HRT was... um menopause and then I saw some women taking it for like just getting their hormone levels healthy because while they were not in the same circumstances as with Turner syndrome they still like they had varying other issues with the hormone levels that they were struggling with and so they were using that to kind of help that and balance it out um, so same kind of reasoning, different source, and obviously a different level of struggle with hormones. So, but for our purposes, we are talking about us Turner syndrome women taking it. Yes. So we'll get into, uh, so why? Yeah. Why we take it? Why is a pretty big piece of things. And I feel like that doesn't get talked about very much. No, there's different reasons why. Yes. Yes. And it's more than just to get a cycle. Correct. That's probably one of the bigger reasons. But uh, bone health would be for one. Yes. Yes, that's a huge piece to it because of um, the effects that estrogen has on bone health. And if you've had a bone density scan, you know Turner syndrome don't play. Mm -mm. <laughs> so nope. the bone health is a big, important piece too. Yes. Let's see. What are some of the other reasons that you've come across? Well, I know two of the main, that, that's one of the main ones that I, I hear a lot about is particularly with the bone health and that's that's very crucial um for us as well but yeah yeah i think one of the other ones that really sticks out to me is just the whole overall effect on your body that that low level of those hormones has because if you think about it we basically go into early menopause and there's, I mean, there's the bone health that's a piece of that, but there's a whole lot else that starts happening too when your hormones are off that way. And so, I mean, for me, there's also an aspect of like mentally, I feel better when I'm good with it and on track. Um, and certainly I feel my best when I have my hormones at the right level. Um, but I think... I think it's a big picture. Like there's a lot of little areas that it throws you into early menopause. So there's a lot of areas that that affects and then your emotions, but also like physically your, your energy. Um, I would, I would anticipate it could affect your kind of um, endurance too. Like just, overall feeling strong so those are some of the things that I think about with it I think I think probably the bone one the bone health is probably the biggest aspect I've had doctors talk to me that they were most concerned about the uh, other reasons um, that I was thinking about that just came across is not just for bone health and our estrogen levels um, but that also contributes to our sexual development. So it helps in um, us being able to develop as, as females and feminized, feministic characteristics. Um, so it aids in those um, secondary, um, 
sex characteristics, development characteristics? Yes, that's a part of, I think that's a big piece that they watch in the beginning of, I mean, what feels like they're kickstarting puberty, basically, because the the symptom, well, the symptom that red flags for you basically is delayed puberty, not having your cycle on your own, maybe not developing either at all or much on your own. And then you see like, it, it's so interesting how just immediately things kick in. It, your body knows what to do with it when it has it. And so kickstarting puberty, you start getting your cycle. You start growing breasts. You start developing in all of those ways. You start getting taller. Maybe not, maybe not super tall, but that is a piece of it. Mm -hmm. um, and all of that that normally occurs with puberty is what these kind of take you through before then you're just looking to level out after and keep them at healthy levels. Um, and so, yeah, that's a big piece of the first part of the experience is going through that development that you more often than not don't start at least very much on your own. Right. Yeah. So it does help with that. And, um, some, some may be glad, some may not be. I, <laughs> I started developing very early on. <laughs> so while I struggled with the growth hormone to get my, where I wanted to be height-wise, um, the uh, hormones, they definitely did their job. <laughs> so, um, but yes, that is, that is another important um, piece of it as well. Um, and... Uh, do we want to talk about when? Yeah. Do we, do we talk about when? I don't think we've talked about when very much yet. So when, when is a big piece to it too. And I think this can kind of look a little different for everybody. So do you want to talk about when you started or? Yeah. So I started when I was about 12 and a half. Um, that was my first trip to an endocrinologist and it, it was basically, we were going like, okay, she's kind of, you know, they, they did the whole evaluating where I was at with puberty. So they asked if I had started having a cycle. Um, most awkward moment ever was the first time a doctor I'd ever talked about my breasts developing, like evaluating where I was at with that because they're trying to figure out whole development. And that was when, like that, I left that appointment with a prescription. So I was like 12 and a half. And at that point, I, I would say my own evaluation of things, I had started a little bit on my own, but I didn't, I didn't have it anywhere near in high gear, like actually making major progress until I started HRT, as far as puberty goes. I started, so I started growth hormone when I was seven. And then I believe that I started um, HRT probably when I was eight. Um, so close to about a year after I started growth hormone. And I started, um, so I started when I was eight. And by the time I was nine, um, I was definitely developing. And um, so I was like, what is going on? Um, and though the most awkward part, can I just say of this experience, um, was having a male endocrinologist and going into being a preteen and all that and having a male endocrinologist monitoring the development of my us and all of that that was yeah. just like super awkward that would be a very different experience mine was a female mm -hmm. and it was still an experience of like that was the first time I could not imagine 
being that age, having that discussion for the first time, and it being, <laughs> being a man, that would be a very different experience. Yes, talking about that kind of thing <laughs> with um, my doctor, although he was, he was very, he was very good, very professional, but, and my mom was always in my appointments, but it was just between my, my mom being there and him there having had these discussions, I was just like, oh no. So <laughs> it, it was, it was super, super awkward. Um, but yes, it, it was kind of, it, it was, yeah, choice of, choice of puberty. <laughs> So should we talk about a little bit for when, how it like timeline for things, how it impacted each of us? Like, um, I would say for me, I probably started having a cycle like a year, eight to 12 months after I first started HRT. And that was starting them at 12 and a half. So I wonder if what age you start at makes a difference. That would be interesting. I had never really thought about that. That is a really good question. Um, and honestly, I don't know that I've really thought about that a whole lot either. Um, it's interesting because as far as um, my development, <clears throat> like I, I developed um breasts and all that really very quickly. Um, however, my period, I did not start it until I was closer to 17. But I started on hormones um, when I was eight. So you kind of would think that maybe it would have been sooner, but I, I didn't experience it until I was like almost 17. So I guess that to some level speaks whether you are getting the same hormone replacement or not, your body is still like everybody's body is different. And so you're going to make, I mean, I like to hope to some level that my body is still trying to do what it would have done naturally. So when you give it the hormones, it's like, well, if I had that on my, like, if I could produce that, this is what it would be. And so, you know, varying, you know, everybody develops different stages. And so I guess that speaks to that still plays out probably to some extent, even though you're having some external source of the hormones instead. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess too, it speaks to, cause it's definitely been a challenge to find the right, um, balance mm -hmm. and so I would say early on it took a little bit yeah it's definitely a process yeah so um yeah I and I don't I wonder if the I don't know if it has to do with the type or or what but absorption and like really getting the benefit from that um that's always been sort of a challenge and still is a challenge, you know? And so it, you know, I, I can be, you know, having regular cycles, but my level will still be kind of low. Yeah. Yeah. I've experienced that too, even with just different versions of the same generic type of HRT medication, I've had it be where my levels look different. And so, well, you know, it's still all the generic same type, you're still having a different experience. And I think that really does make a huge difference in the overall impact and how much it can actually help you um, as you're figuring out what one might be actually working the best with your body yeah and you know that just speaks to you know it's not a one-size-fits-all we're not cookie cutter because everybody's so different and yeah um that's why um hrt is so important and research into um you know how 
uh, effective it is and different options and uh, just to be able to have good education and understanding and material. And so, um, you know, it doesn't get talked about enough. And so I'm, I think it's good. And I'm glad that we're talking about it. Yeah, I think it's really important to process these different aspects of it because there's, I feel like an instinct at first to just, okay, whatever the doctor says and, and kind of go with whatever they recommend. And you never want to be fearful to go, hey, wait, but I've heard there's this other type or this other way of doing it. Let's try that. Or what do you think about this for me? Maybe that would work a little better. Um, and kind of having confidence to go, no, there are more than one option I can try. Yeah. And, you know, at some point, one may work better and you may have to change it. Yeah. Yeah. Leaving room for evaluating constantly, especially because we go through so many different ages as we're looking at this, you know, the same kind that would have worked to kickstart puberty may not be the right type to get you out of your teens into adulthood. And as you age, your hormones naturally change. So HRT would be the same. Right. And that's another important thing too, is, you know, um, what, what are your goals? Like, yeah. are you in a phase of life where you're thinking about trying to, to plan for a family, um, you're younger, um, and you want your body to be doing what it's supposed to naturally be doing, as opposed to, you know, when you might be a little bit older, you're looking at menopause, and maybe you, at that point, want to look at it for um, maintaining good um, bone health, and maybe good just uh like you're saying, um, balance so that physically and emotionally you're still balanced. But yeah. goals change, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important because different forms, different dosages are going to be maybe more optimal for your different goals. You know, what kickstarts puberty may not be what you go to for the best for managing menopause symptoms let's be real menopause symptoms are not fun ones no mm -mm. so you know there's a reason that women going through menopause are like okay what do you have this is awful <laughs> yeah let's find something here yeah yeah and I don't know about you but I mean I struggle because um of my levels having pre-menopausal symptoms, yeah. um, you know, particularly hot flashes, even though naturally it's easy for me to like get hot. And I have friends that will make fun of me and joke, are you going through menopause? And I'm like, I'm not there yet. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but I, I feel like because I'm, I'm using this to try and, and get my body to do what it's naturally supposed to do and I'm not getting enough, then I start feeling like somebody going through menopause. Yes. Yes, I've <laughs> yes. had that experience too. Mine comes in, I'm going to be very real and honest here, a little bit of, a little bit of hair on my chin. It comes in my bones cracking when I just get off the couch or out of bed or sometimes just move it all. I had been stationary for a bit. Um, and I think those are the moments where it's, it, it is a little bit of a, like, almost insult to injury because you're already, like, working really hard on the hormones and then that happens and it's like... Mm -hmm. trying and all it's doing is making me feel like an old person <laughs> yeah yeah I can feel it in my joints too I particularly have a knee that likes to pop um or can easily slide out of place 
and you know I have fingers that will will crack and oh yeah so I'm like I'm not ready for this <laughs> <laughs> like wait how old am I again I'm not there yet don't give it to me early yeah yeah <laughs> but yes I I feel that so let's talk about the different options because there's actually more than I would have ever thought when I first was trying to like when I first had a doctor recommend one to me I didn't know there was other options out there and there's quite a few there are yes so um where do we want to start well the oral there's the yeah there's so the the most common forms are some type of pill that you take orally mm -hmm. um, and there's actually varying versions of that because there's a, a lot of girls get recommended a lot of girls and women because this is one that's common for adults too not just when you're a teen um or first starting out it, it's generic birth control I think just for the convenience of the one pill having both in it for you um and then you have the versions like I mean we both mentioned we both started out with Premarin and progesterone pills yeah and I think Premarin is still out there is it still being used I think so okay. I don't hear of it very much but I think it's still out there um but newer uh, that's been around is the bio uh, bioidentical, I believe is what it's, yes. Yeah. Which is what I, I personally kind of prefer is the bioidentical. Um, and that is the estradiol. Yes. And I believe, so you were taking the estradiol pill. Mm-hmm. And then I was using the, or I am using the estradiol patch. And then I think we were both, we'd both had experience with the micronized progesterone, which right. there's probably that micronized part is probably a huge differentiation between like the, the other progesterone that I know the original progesterone I was taking was just progesterone. I don't think it was the micronized. Yeah, um, same. Uh, I take the micronized now, um, but before I was taking, um, it was called Provera. And um, so I was taking permanent Provera is what I had started out with. And Provera is the progesterone, but it wasn't micronized. So it was a, it was a different form. And I think micronized tends to be a little bit better as far as like it by I think it's also bio um identical um yes yeah it's a more bio identical form of progesterone as opposed to I think um uh Provera I think was more of a maybe more synthetic I think form yeah. of progesterone yeah. And so I think there's a lot of options to look at. And certainly goals is one thing to think about. The other is just kind of seeing how your body reacts to the different versions, because you never know until you try it. Right. And, um, dosing is important so you know you might get the right form but the amount might need to change yeah that happened to me with the patch on one dosage it was totally different experience than another dosage and it was like night and day yes and like and when I started estradiol um it was at like one milligram okay. and then it wasn't enough, so I went to two, and uh, now I'm actually, because I uh, had a conversation recently with my endocrinologist, actually, 
and we're going to try the patch. Okay. Yeah, the the form of it like that can make a big difference too. I think we touched on before the the kind of di more direct route that the patch can give than the pill sometimes because the pill no matter I think which version of the pill although I do think the version of the pill could matter still but just a pill in general no matter bioidentical version or not is going to be processed through your liver through your whole system before it gets to your bloodstream yes and so we're going to try that um but I figured that it would probably be be good at this point to try and go back to the patch, see how that works. Um, and uh, so I'm actually doing that and I'm decreasing um, the amount and basically stepping back up. Okay. Is what we're going to do. So um, I'm going through my own HRT journey uh, after, you know, my, my experience. <laughs> So it, it was just time to readjust um, for myself. So uh, this is the new plan. Um, the other uh, the other big one is um, that you mentioned is the birth control. Uh, quite a few, I think, doctors and endocrinologists um, recommend the birth control. Mine typically doesn't, um, I guess, unless um, somebody is in a place where they just want to stop having periods yeah. and just get a low dose of estrogen. But the reason that I, I prefer the bioidentical um, forms is even though you have one pill and you're getting the benefit of both, or Turner syndrome, I think it works probably good for, um, you know, somebody that might need an extra amount of estrogen. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about somebody with Turner syndrome, that like myself in particular, I know that I don't make any estrogen, if any, barely. Some, some girls are able to make more on their own, but I barely make any. So, for me, it is absolutely not enough. And so that's, for me personally, I prefer the more bioidentical because you're getting more yeah. than what you're able to get from the birth control. Yeah, that's my experience too. When I was on the generic birth control, I think... I think the dosage itself, if I had actually gotten a decent amount of what was in the pill, might not have been as bad. But while I was on it, my my estrogen levels were still, I mean, my, my endo said almost not even registering. They were so low, even while I was on the pill. And at the same time, my liver levels were elevated. I was getting like gallstones were starting and I was not sure what was going on well my guess is it might have been a decent amount of estrogen in the pill itself I wasn't getting any of it because my liver was just processing all of it and so that's why my liver level my liver levels were so high my liver was working overtime processing all of it but I wasn't actually getting any of it on the other side and I think that's important to make sure of and not not look at it and go well I'm having a cycle so it must be working that's that's not going to be the only factor you want to look at for if it works for you or not Yeah, because, I mean, you can still have a cycle and, and not be getting uh, the amount that you need. And, yeah. you know, because it is important to, besides just having the cycle, um, like we were talking, to make sure that you're 
getting enough that's going to benefit um, your overall health and, and your, your bone health and growth and development, especially as you're younger. Um, so you're getting all that benefit. So it's, it's not just about having the cycle. Um, that part, once I was able to do that, that was never a problem, but I still, you know, you could check my, my levels and it would be, it would be low. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think for me, that's my biggest concern with just the birth control being used for it in general is because that's basically, it's a one size fits all solution almost because you're only going to have so much ability within that to adjust any dosage or anything. Um, and only the dosages available in that generic birth control are going to be available. Whereas for the others, the doctor can more closely fine tune what the dosage for each is. Right. Yeah. So that's another benefit. Um, you have more flexibility in, um, adjusting your dosage with the other forms as opposed to the birth control. So those are factors to consider um, when you're making those decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's also, so I don't hear this being recommended very much, but it is an option. There's the, it's basically a birth control injection. And I think it's every three or six months you go in and get one. Um, I think it's just one shot. Um, to be honest, the one doctor that I actually, because I was kind of just like, okay, what are all of my options here? Like, let's talk through everything. And so it, that was mentioned. She mentioned that. But then she was like, but... I, I don't know. I, I got the feeling that maybe dosage on that might be a concern too for our purposes. And that's kind of the thing you have to think about with the birth control options too, is like they weren't initially made for being HRT. They were initially made for birth control. And mm -hmm. so the effect on the hormone levels was only looked at in that one light. I don't, I don't know that the, specifically, especially the shot was really going to be looked at as, is this going to provide, you know what I mean? Like, is this going to be something that supplements the hormone levels appropriately for HRT? Yeah. And it's something you can look at and something to consider. And, and maybe, um, you know, if you're at a place where you might be looking at um, menopause, you know, that maybe at that point, you know, it might be enough to supplement what you might need to maintain good bone health and, and all of that. Um, and maybe that's something to look at, um, you know, or if in general, um, you know, that's your goal, then, um, you know, it could be an option. But, but yeah, it may not be enough, but it, it is worth considering, um, because it could, it could be something that would work for, um, you know, for your situation. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where I think you don't want to miss the, like getting a hormone panel done. So you have a baseline mm -hmm. of where you're starting and can kind of track how your levels are doing with whatever you are trying. Yes. Yes. Um, that is something that I frequently get done. And I, I usually have those laps done like once a year, my endocrinologist will do that. Um, cause one thing that I still struggle with and, and hormones is part of this too. And I don't know if I mentioned it is energy level. Um, so it can have a huge impact, I think on your energy level, if your hormones are low and I, you know, I have struggled with that. And so, um, you know, when I have those discussions, you know, going, everything, you know, is, is pretty good, except for I'm still, you know, um, having periods where I'm just very, I, I, I don't have the energy level that I think I should. And 
you know, I actually just had one done where he did a, a full panel um, of my hormones. And that's why we we're checking to see where my levels were at and decide if I want to change my form of um, hormone replacement or continue and, and basically restart um, what I have been doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a huge, and I mean, you never know what's going to pop up, but I just think even if you only get the estrogen and progesterone checked, so you know how your HRT is affecting those, and if it's actually helping with those levels like you need it to, that is just such important information. And especially if you're feeling off in any way, if you feel like it's off in some way, that's a good place to start. We're like, all right, well, let's check what it's doing with the levels first. And that'll tell us. And um, kind of go from there. Right. Yeah. And that's a good point. I mean, there's a whole lot of other levels you could check at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing too, making sure, um, you know, there's, there's certain ones that they may routinely check, but there's several that should be checked that don't necessarily frequently get checked. And, um, you know, especially family planning and all that, you want to make sure um, they're, in, they're included. Yeah. 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 And family, family planning might adjust what you want to be on for HRT too, because, yeah. um, for preparation for things, like if you're preparing for IVF or, um, if you have some level of ovarian function, you're trying to work with, um, the form of hormones you use for, trying might look different than your normal mm. everyday maintenance just keeping your levels where they need to be right right so I don't actually know what typical form I mean I know there's like the progesterone in oil that's a part of um like the IV the typical IVF regimen they put you on um I don't know about estrogen or anything though that's, that is interesting to think about how that might shift. Yeah. Yeah. And that can tell you, so getting the other, other levels, you'll see an impact from your hormones on those also. Like the hormones or the, well, yeah, it is hormones they're testing. It's your levels of um, like, it's called FSH, just the follicle stimulating hormone. Mm-hmm. I had that, and that's supposed to be a marker of like your ovarian function in the, that's your ovaries responding. Or no, I'm sorry, that's the hormone your brain sends to your ovaries. And the more, depending on how much it has to send, tells you if it's getting a response or not. I That's why I kind of jokingly, but not really jokingly call it the, lights are off, nobody's home because it was no response. <laughs> but you'll see, I mean, estrogen levels impact that too. I've seen mind shift because of my estrogen changing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Kind of threw me for a loop. And I was like, wait, what? That's like, that's not that far from what they said in normal ranges. How is that possible? And um so I don't know that that, I don't want that to sound like I'm saying that means anything for the possibilities, but I'm just saying you will see changes in those levels also. And that can kind of gauge what it's doing too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which is kind of interesting, the um, sort of the juggling that, uh, that we do when you're doing HRT, because it can fluctuate. So, yeah. Yeah, it also depends on what time of the month it is because mm -hmm. different times of the month, you're going to be in a different part of the cycle. And that can kinda, 
that alone can make things look all types of different. Yes, it, <laughs> it really is mind like mind blowing at times. Just how um, how I guess the uh, like detailed it can get like mm -hmm. just and um I guess kind of crazy with just uh like it, it's you think it, it might be this like fine like fine thing but it's just such a up and down um yeah. ever-changing sort of process yes yeah so when you're trying to like for IVF when you're trying to almost not control it, but emulate it in some way when you're trying to, you know, make sure it's doing certain things um, that kind of mirrors the standard, well, the standard, the normal, whatever that means, um, what the normal levels look like at different points in the cycle. I mean, really, if you look at a chart of it, they're kind of all up and down because it shifts and those trigger certain things that happen within the cycle. Like, mm -hmm. if I'm remembering correctly, after you ovulate, your estrogen drops. And that's when your progesterone is higher. That's when you have your period if you're going to. And so RHRT regimen mimics that. There's those 10 days that you don't take the estrogen and you take the progesterone to mimic that drop in estrogen and that up in progesterone and you have a cycle. And I mean, you're never going to get exact because that's the beauty of what the body naturally does is it's so intricate, but that, I mean, that's the whole goal is to mimic what that normally looks like. Yes, it tries to tries to get it to as close as possible yeah yeah but it, it really um is interesting and um you know it it's good that there's been more research um I'm one that you know always is for more research on this um yeah. I think it's needed and there's not I think as I mean, it's important and there's not a whole lot of discussion about it. Yeah. I mean, for something that affects, I mean, it, coming from the point of experiencing what we both have in navigating HRT for Turner syndrome, it's a huge part of our lives and the impact it has on us is not small. So mm -hmm. no having the best information, the most up-to-date research, like really looking into the best approaches makes a big difference. And it's something that I feel like is still in a generic one size fits all most commonly recommendations instead of acknowledging we're all going to be different and you got to kind of see. Yep. And important reason why we need to be our own advocate yes yeah because only you and, know how it's making you feel <laughs> right right so what are your other thoughts well I just think I think I think everything we just talked about is kind of why I would love yeah. to see more research um that's the biggest reason that I get very passionate about like no there are options push for trying mm -hmm. if you don't like what you're currently using if it doesn't seem to be working if you feel off with it don't just go with it because it's what your doctor recommended there are other options and with how unique we each are we deserve more than a one-size-fits-all recommendation when there's there really are other options yeah absolutely and uh, it's it's definitely okay to push back and be like well you know, I want to know all my options and then, you know, or, you know, I've been looking into my options and I would like to try, you know, I'd like to try the patch or I'd like to try, you know, the pill and, you know, I want to see how I do. Yeah. And it's okay to, you know, to 
let your doctor know it's not working for me. I mean, I had to do when they recommend me try birth control and switch me to birth control. I, I made it through two weeks trying to, you know, hopefully give myself some time to adjust to it. But I was like, this is not for me. Yeah. I, nope, nope, nope. I do not like what it's doing. I do not like how I'm feeling. And for me, it was not working and it was making me sick. And so I, I called and left a message from my nurse and I was like, I'm not doing it. We need another plan. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm stopping it. And so, you know, I, uh, I like having, um, an endocrinologist that is willing to, um, work with me and, you know, listen and be like, okay, well, I don't feel like this is working well anymore. Can we try something different? So like, that's why we, we talked about the patch again and he's willing to do that. We'll see how that goes. Um, and so, you know, it's important. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we talked about all of the benefits and why we take it in the beginning, mm -hmm. but just overall, if you think about it, our entire body runs off of different systems of hormones. Mm -hmm. So when you're fighting against a condition that leaves you with this significant hormone deficiency, the way you supplement, the way you address that matters when it's that much of our body that runs off of hormone systems. Because mm -hmm. one, one level being off impacts all of the other levels also. Mm -hmm. Like the biggest aha moment for this for me was with cortisol. When your cortisol levels are through the roof, when you're stressed, mm -hmm. The first thing to go is regulating any other hormones because your body is focused on that fight or flight stress issue. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. It can't, it, it's going to have to compensate for whatever it's addressing. And so that's, yeah, finding that balance is huge. And we deserve it. We deserve to have that absolutely that fit. yes yes and uh so you know that's one of the things that I will constantly say because you know it makes me sad at times when you know I hear stories and I I hear other you know TS women talking and um you know feeling discouraged and you know I just you know, want to encourage, encourage um, our community and the ladies to feel empowered enough that it's okay um, to say something and it's important to yeah. do something that we are worth it. So absolutely. Yeah. And share your stories and experiences mm -hmm. and learn from each other. That's been such a valuable part of actually becoming a part of the Turner's community as I have, that's been invaluable. Yes. And that's what helps, um, you know, get more research out there when, you know, we use our collective voices to, you know, share and speak up and let people know about our experiences. Um, that's how we can, that's how we can make, um, change and help with getting research moved along when we when we can say we have this need and it's an important need and so um yeah it's it's important yeah well yeah and it it i don't know i mean there's a whole lot of statistics for turner syndrome out there and i know there's you know some level of experience and history to why the recommendations that are made are made but at the same time we have a very like the, I take all of those statistics with a grain of salt because the pool that they're pulling from is so small and 
So the wider that pool gets, the more accurate information, the more accurate recommendations we can get because they're seeing the wider impact on more of us women who are using it. And so our, our voice is huge. It can make a huge difference, especially when all of us are like, no, that was, you know, speaking out also and saying, no, that was, that was my experience too. I may have not said it at the time, but it really didn't work or it wasn't great or whatever it was, or no, actually that one worked like all of it matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with something so vital to our well-being and health, um, it just, it, it's important and it matters. Yeah. So absolutely. Okay. Well, that was the who, what, when, and why. Yes. So next time, synthetic versus bioidentical. Yeah. Should, should we go into that a little bit more? Yes. Like we both have very strong opinions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've had very team strong synthetic or team bioidentical. <laughs> I feel like the names should say it all. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Yes. But we'll have a conversation. Yeah. We'll weigh it out. Yeah. Well, look, there's there's pros and cons to both. Some heavier on one side than the other. Yeah, but we'll get into that. But, uh, you know, let us know what your experience is when it comes to HRT. I, I would like to hear more of what your experiences are. So, um, you know, definitely feel free to share. Yes. Yeah, I would love to hear more because, you know, we shared the ones we've had experiences with. I know there's so many of us, there's probably a million other different variations of these things. So I would love to hear more stories and hey, maybe there's options we haven't heard of yet. Yeah, maybe there's something that we have not heard of. So who knows? That would be exciting. So let us know and stay tuned when we we talk about bioidentical versus synthetic. It'll get spicy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see who we'll see who prevails in, in the debate of bioidentical and synthetic. Yes. We'll see who ends up winning. <laughs> and make sure to subscribe. And we yes. will talk to you guys in the next episode. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Coffee and Turner Syndrome. If you would like to support the podcast, I do have listener support set up on Anchor. And if you'd like to leave me a voice message, I would love to hear from you. Make sure you're subscribed so you see when the next one comes out. And I will see you guys in the next episode.